Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back and another episode of Brighton Rock Podcast with me, Russell Guyver, with co-host Peter Marsh. Hi, Peter. Hi, Russ. Uh, we've got Robin Woolley back with us again, a regular guest um, host as well. How are you doing, Robin? All right, thanks. How are you? Excellent. And making his debut, we've got Mr. Brett Mendoza. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. All good, yeah, 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 we're all doing well, yeah. surviving lockdown, and it's good to see yeah. you sporting your NHS Albion top, looking good there. Yeah, yeah. It came in the post last week, so I was well happy with that. <laughs> nice, yeah, it was a great initiative, wasn't it, amongst many for the club, which is uh, good to see. Um, glad they're, they're all right, and they're not peeling off or anything yet, are they? No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched it though. <laughs> All in good time. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, we know you from... Well, I know you from the West Upper um, and from various sort of socials. I know we've crossed paths. Um, Robin, I think, also knows you from other things. We'll get into a little bit later on with Renf, I think. Um, but yeah. I wanted to start at the beginning, your Albion story. Um, where were you sort of born and brought up? When did you become a fan? How did you come to go to your first game? Tell us about that, first of all. So I think my first game was start of the 1988-89 season. So... Um, I went because I lived on Neville Road growing up as a kid, which is at the end of the road to the Coldstone Ground and Old Shoreham Road. So I went with my next door neighbour for his birthday and then loved it. Like we played football together and then we went and watched it. It was great. And I think, well, we lost our first game 3-1 against Bradford, but Gary Nelson scored. And then I just wanted to be Gary Nelson when I was growing up as a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he was great, wasn't he? I love Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he was your favourite growing up. And um, <clears throat> I mean, what, what were your sort of like early memories in terms of individual sort of games and things like that? Is there anything in particular that stood out apart from uh, goal scoring? I think the first season we actually got promoted, but I don't really remember. I just sort of remember going to games, but not really fully yeah. understanding what's going on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it was like, it was the 1990-91 season where I started getting into it properly. And then we got got to the playoff final at lost at Wembley and yeah it's a dear old Colin 
Yeah, yeah. And Tommy Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so from there, I've been going ever since. Loved it. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And um, what's your experience? So you obviously you had the experience of the Goldstone. You had the experience of Gillingham as well. I don't know if you got to go to many games there. Yeah, I didn't um, miss one. <laughs> Yeah, fair play to you. That is, that's um, some dedication, I have to say. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, on to Woodden and the Amex. I mean, what what's your reflections on the four grounds we played in and your time there? It's uh, quite quite a lot of contrast, isn't it? <laughs> through and through. Yeah. You know, the Goldstone, bit of a tatty, old rundown thing, but said it was the first place I ever watched football. I was mascot there, and I scored a penalty in front of the North Stands against Perry Digweed, and that's amazing. And Oh, nice. Growing up, it was like my teen years, it was all about protests and all sorts, so it wasn't really about the football. And yeah. then with Dean, no, Gillingham, it was absolutely terrible, but I don't know why. I went to the first couple and I just kept going, like, I haven't missed one yet. And then I still haven't missed one, so I just kept going by yeah. the uh, the um, the Liz Costa love double decker buses, which took forever to get there. And then, oh, joy. <laughs> so I mean, at the cricketers pub, is it? I think it was by the grounds, and then that was the other one called. Yeah. And then, yeah, with Dean again, not very nice place, but probably my favourite memories of watching the Albion are all there with the promotions. Yeah, Hello. there's nothing going on elsewhere on the screen uh, to that last comment. Uh, Robin yeah. and Peter, I think, predominantly your early memories yeah, you know, with Dean. I mean, I'm my my thoughts on with Dean is it, it's really odd it shouldn't be yeah. everything about with Dean should be dreadful there should be yeah. no positive aspect about it at all but actually yeah like Brett says we were lucky in the sense that we produced quite a lot of good teams during that era we had what yeah. three or four promotions four yeah. promotions I think yeah um in that time in a fairly short period of time actually we crammed in yeah. quite a lot of good good stuff um and I think it became other teams obviously hated going there yeah. Fans hated opposition fans hated going there. Opposition teams mm. hated going there. So it almost became that if you were a home fan, you became you sort of loved it a bit more because everyone else thought it was a bit of a shambles. But yeah, there were some great some great games at Withdean. We know we'll come on to this later, another yeah. next episode or later on, or whatever. But the, the, I always remember the Leeds one there when they turned up, having just been like in the European Champions, Champions League semi-finals two years ago, and they get they <laughs> lost one nil and had like two players sent off at the end because they were so angry about the fact they were losing at Withdean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love like, the early days of there. We still had like the hammer net there. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically, yeah. they'd not really, because I mean, they were still having sports days there and stuff, weren't yeah. they? So, like, it was yeah. just, yeah. I have my sports day there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've been on uh, all, the, all the grounds, haven't you, on the pitch, by the sounds of it, there. <laughs> and um, I think we'll get to it later, but I think you've, um, you've actually been on the pitch at the Amex as well, haven't you? Yes, I have indeed. Yeah, we'll get into the details on that a little bit later. But that's, uh, sounds like a little bit of a niche market for you there. So it's quite good, Brown. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Woodin was weird, wasn't it? I mean, there was no weather cover, there was, which also meant there was no atmosphere to speak of. The sight lines were terrible. Everything about it, the track, it should have yeah. been good times. Yeah. But we did have some good times there. We're going to record another episode as well uh, today, which will go out separately, which will be about um, favourite memories. And I, I bet Woodin will feature a few times when we're... Uh, giving our uh, selections in. Um, going, moving forward to the Amex, I mean, so far, obviously, it's been brilliant, hasn't it, in terms of the, the actual stadium, some of the memories we've had as well, well in fact, a lot of them. Um, yeah. Have you found that in comparison, Brett? What, what's the good things? And are there any bad things about the Amex? No, not many <laughs> people have found much to say that's been bad so far. I think 
the only bad thing I don't like is probably the atmosphere is not as good as it should be. Yeah, especially um, recently. Lost. Yeah, especially recently. But that could be down to we are just losing more games than we win. Mm. Like whereas before at Wivthing, we were winning the majority of games and made people happy. But we're obviously at a much higher level. Um, yeah. Mm. But there isn't really a lot to support with the Amex, as you say. Just. Yeah. Funny, there is the odd exception at the Amex, though, isn't it? That Sheffield Wednesday playoff game, the yeah. atmosphere in that beginning of first half hour of that game when Albion were all over them was ridiculous. It was like, you know, kind of pretty much the same as Hillsborough had been that, like the Friday before. Yeah. But, and the, yeah, other games. Yeah. My theory on the atmosphere has always been, I think it's partly because of the way that everyone moved from Wisden. <clears throat> so you've almost created like this artificial thing where people moved in groups. Yeah. Instead of you started for, instead of sort of creating a natural atmosphere, you yeah. had people that thought I'm going to go and sit in various parts of the ground because yeah. that's where my mates are. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. that didn't necessarily lend itself to creating an atmosphere. But you know, I think yeah. also having the north stand so far away from the away end is probably not that yeah. helpful as well. That's the biggest one, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And I thought they might put the away fans down. Sorry, Russ, they might put no, the away fans down the first bit of the east stand. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think they should be allowed, but they should be behind goal, the goal and away because they, you know, you kind of get an advantage by being right behind the goal, like the away fans yeah, are, think, which would be yeah, both yeah. end Albion fans, really. I think. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's I agree. Yeah. Quibble, isn't it really? Yeah, I mean they look quite dominant in numbers, the way the stands are arranged and the the visuals on the TV as well, for what that's worth. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it's another thing. It's a bit of a bugbear for my. Uh, along with the fact that all the East Stand leave early, and that's the sound that's in view of the camera. Which I just say, I'm in the East Stand and I don't leave early. Yeah, so, one, good, just yeah. me, just me and my dad left. That's it. Stretching your arms out, yeah. Well, I mean, Robin, you've got, although you're in the northeast, you don't get to go to as many games as you like. You do have a season ticket in the north. Yeah, still a season ticket. Uh, Peter's in the east. Um, Brett, uh, we, well, we haven't had anyone on that I know of um, who has a season ticket in the south stand. Because you're in the West Upper, aren't you? Same as me. Um, yeah. Have you been in there from the beginning, by the way, Brett? Yeah. Same seat the whole way through. Yeah, I thought you were, because I remember seeing you around from early on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great view up there, isn't it? You're in the front row, same as me, just along the row. In fact, you're more yeah. central than I am. Um, yeah. it's, it's a really good vantage point, isn't it? Except, I suppose, immersion in the, the close proximity of the match, I suppose you feel a bit slightly more detached. But mm-hmm. it's a it's really good sidelines up there, isn't it? And a good atmosphere as well, as far as it yeah. goes. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I like watching football like with a tactical sort of yeah. You can, you can see the patterns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like watching people making runs up the other wing, and I love all that sort of stuff. So it's good for me. And you do get the atmosphere from the north stand as well. So it's it's yeah. a good place to sit. Yeah, because we're we're on the north side of the halfway line, aren't we? Both of us. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, we've got the uh, delights of the uh, the Albion Raw boys and various other people up there as well. It's quite yeah, a few yeah, people yeah. I know who seem to have ended up in the West Upper, which is... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of old kind of Wisdean, a lot of people. When I, when I went up with you for that one game, the only game I've watched there was when Calderon scored with his face. Yeah. <laughs> Birmingham at home, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, that Brett's right. It was the first time I've been up there, I thought, actually... You uh, you don't make and when you're in the north stand and you're trying to see what's going on at the far end, you mm. sometimes will think that's a penalty or that's a goal kick or whatever it is. You got no idea really. You just <laughs> from a hundred yards away, you got no idea. But actually being up there, yeah, mm. the view of the game as a whole yeah. um, was definitely something I enjoyed. Yeah. I suppose the only one downside of being up there is that it's a similar view to what you're going to get if you see the TV footage, which is 
so readily available now for all games. So it would be quite nice almost to have the other side from that yeah. point of view. But certainly interest. when the West End, when the atmosphere, I think the West End tend to almost set the atmosphere. Because if you're in the yeah. North End and the West End really start going, mm. you can almost actually feel the noise kind of yeah. physically coming down from yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And of course, it was where we originally had that sort of um, West Stand, North Stand, uh, backwards yes. and forwards chart exactly. was going on, which we don't do anymore, which is a a shame. There we go. Anyway, moving on. Um, well, Robin, you know um, Brett, I think, through, I don't know if this is originally how, but you know each other through Renf, don't you? Uh, and vaguely, kind of mutual friends that we've been. Yeah. We did oh, a okay. cycle ride. Talk about Gillingham, we did an RMF cycle ride where we went from well, we, we drove from the Goldstone to Gillingham and then we cycled yeah. back from Gillingham to the Amex via the Withbeam. Yeah. Yeah, which was a which bit of a day. Quite a bit. something wasn't it? Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. busy day. And that was, yeah, I mean, we actually got, to, this was, I think it was only a couple of weeks before the Spurs game, wasn't it? It was pretty soon before the ground opened, I think. Yeah. I'll try. Well, I think it was. Into it, which was yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the backstory of it is quite interesting. I'm pretty sure it's just Albion listeners generally on this, yeah. um, and probably everyone knows what it is, but just in case anyone doesn't, it's the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund set up in um, tribute to Robert Eaton, who is an Albion fan, I think a North Stand regular, uh, or sorry, a uh, uh, North Stand chat regular, and yeah. um, he uh, died in the Twin Towers attack, and uh, it was set up in his honour, the, um, the fund. And it raised, I think, initially funds for... Um, kids underprivileged kids in the states wasn't it for have a football team there and i think it's branched out into other stuff but have you been involved quite heavily with it brett through the years is that that's my impression i've got yeah yeah so i started just playing in the football team and then um this is the Renf match with yeah, the yeah and yeah. then sort of it was sort of playing and then you paid to play in it and that was the only fundraising and then yeah. i've done another charity thing I think it was 2008 where you use just giving and all that sort of stuff. So I said, why don't we try it with a game? And then it escalated from that. And then now I'm the vice chairman of the charity. Right. Brilliant. Fantastic. So is that quite involved? Is a lot of work involved in that? Or is it mainly around the sort of time of year? Well, around now, isn't it? When the events are normally taking place in the. Yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, we have various events through the year and then it's like organizing those and then looking for people to apply for grants. Um, so we started branching out away from football for the first time last, uh, last year, <laughs> trying to think where we are now. So like we're doing things like um, girls netball, uh, rugby teams, cricket teams, um, and c going into like coaching and stuff as well, because we just used to pay for like equipment, but now we're trying to yeah. make it a bit bigger or better. And how many of the, how many of the matches have you played in? Because you've played with Wardy in... At least one or two of them, haven't you? Yeah, so I my first one was 2003. Yeah. So how many years is that now? 17, 17 that I've been involved oh, in. That's scary, isn't my it? Last one was, the last one I played in was 2015 at the Amex. Hmm. And then my knees can't hack it anymore, so I just, I'm, now, I'm now the manager of the team. <laughs> <laughs> Good tactic, I think. That's a move, move into management, lovely. <laughs> and... Um, we lost, I think the first one, we unfortunately, we lost, didn't we, on penalties, I think, the very first match. Um, but yeah. What's the overall head-to-head? Do we know? Are we, are we ahead of them now? I think it's 15, uh, no, 16, 14, no, it's next year's 20th, so it's 15, 13 to us. Uh, no, I can't work it out, 15, 14 maybe to us. Yeah. 
So we were just ahead of them. Yeah. Same as the uh, in the professional uh, yeah. stakes. Good, good it's not like right. a close game, so it's, which is quite good. Yeah, I think that helps it, doesn't it? It makes it more entertaining. There's been and, some, like you said, there's been some big ex-pros on each side. Andy Johnson played one. Did Andy Johnson play in the Amex one? Yeah, he scored the last-minute winner. <laughs> yeah, I think standard Andy Johnson. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've had we've had Wardy, um, Ricky Marlowe as well, haven't we? As well. Yeah. Come down. Paul Watson. Paul yeah. Yeah. Peter Taylor played. Excellent. When Andy Johnson scored, was there a nauseating PA announcement um, repeating his name? Uh, <laughs> there was at home, so it wasn't. It's just lots of groans. Yeah. Yeah, just checking. <laughs> uh, yeah. We leave the goal music and such horrendous plasticity to the, uh, yeah. to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, other events have gone on. Obviously, one of the other famous ones is the quiz. I mean, I don't, Peter, have you? We, I think you came we, we did it one year, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, and we did reasonably well, but I think there's some seriously good quizzes involved. Yeah, we definitely didn't win. Yeah, I mean that was one of the ones of the one of the Amex lounges, but um, yeah. like two or three years ago. I think that's pretty much the only events I've been able to see. Golf there as well, isn't there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. That's next yeah. week in theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, travel down for that, Robin. <laughs> no, we had to pull yeah. that off. And they do, is it race days as well? I think it's the other one I've heard of. We've done, we, yeah, we sponsored like a race at Brighton Racecourse a couple of times. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's so brilliant. I mean, it's all, it's all great stuff. I mean, with, with the quizzes, I think you've done quite well, haven't you, in, in the past? I think somebody's mentioned you were on one of the, were you on one of the winning teams a couple of times? Or am I Who's remembering that? that wrong? It's a Brett. No, I've never taken part in Well, I've always had to organise it, and so I've never... Oh, no, that's probably what I'm thinking of, the organising. Right, right. Okay. Um, speaking of quizzes, we've got one lined up for you later on, if you fancy it. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> good, good. We'll come to that later on. <laughs> In general, I mean, it, the charities, it's kind of, it shows the best of football fans, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. particularly the, the, match, the sheer amount of money that's raised and obviously the fact that it's, I don't think alone it has, but I think it's had a big influence in changing the relationship between Brighton and Palace fans. That now yeah, there's, it's it's almost it's got to the point for a lot of us who've kind of been involved in events for it. It's a bit more of a kind of pantomime thing now, almost. And actually, yeah. Russ, you've talked about it as well. Annoyingly, all the Palace fans I actually know personally are all really nice blokes. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's it. It's um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's a weird. It always has been a weird um, rivalry, as, as the media insist on mentioning over and over and yeah. over again. <laughs> but it, but it is a serious one. But it's good to see that um, things can transcend that when there's yeah. a cause that's worthy. And that's, I think some of the money's gone that. to uh, has gone to uh, causes quite like round Croydon as well, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 we started doing that, and then this year we were supposed to play our first ever match at Croydon because every yeah. match is down in Sussex. So we're going to have a two-legged match this year, but obviously that got canned. But so yeah, like without them, there'd be less of a charity and not as much money raised because I think it's just over £300,000 we raised in the 20 years. Wow. It's an unbelievable amount of money. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. And yeah. I think they've also done them in Australia a couple of times, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Well. So, Reed that plays in it, didn't he? I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Bruce played in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, which, is, which is great. So um, hopefully long may that continue. I mean, I don't know if he'll get a chance to play a rearranged match for that later in the year or whether it just goes to next year. I don't, I don't know. I think is there any plans in place already? Well, because it's always done 
between the football seasons when the teams finish playing on the pitches. But now yeah. I think there's only going to be a three-week gap between yeah, it's not much time. seasons. It might not happen this year, sadly. Yeah. But then yeah, next year's the 20th anniversary and do a massive thing. Yeah. Four matches next up. year to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Scottish> <laughs> Well, the other reason I know you, Brett, is from, uh, more recently, is from um, your landlordship, if that's a word, of the Caxton <laughs> Arms. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not convinced that is a word, actually, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> you've been, uh, you took that over, I think it was an ambition to have a, a pub at some point, and yeah. you took it over a while ago now, wasn't it? And when, when was that? Uh, two, two, two and a half years I've been there, so it was at the end of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, we've been going in there uh, pre-match and occasionally post-match on a few occasions, as you would have seen. But um, yeah. great pub. I, I like the pub anyway. And um, since you've yeah. taken it over, it's added another extra element. It's become more Ambient oh, okay. <laughs> for me, uh, <laughs> which is great. Um, so um, how have you found it, basically, first of all? Um, how's well, it been? It's literally living the dream. Like, <laughs> I wanted a pub <laughs> and all your mates are there. And now with the match days when they were going, I seem yeah. to have trapped it loads of home fans and away fans alike and everyone's been really nice and you don't get the idiot element yeah so like the atmosphere before games is always really good yeah i mean it's tucked away isn't it a little bit so i think it's got that yeah. locals kind of no messing about type of pub yeah sort of feel to it. there's a kind of self-policing element to it which is the fact that a lot of the fans that go in there obviously know brett yeah, yeah. Almost, there's almost a kind of thing if someone's in there who's behaving like a dick you're almost going to like well that's actually going to damage Brett, it's not just if you, you know if you yeah. go into like a pub that you don't personally know the landlord, yeah. it's not necessarily going to get involved because you think, you know what I mean. The fact there's a kind of personal connection, it's more likely yeah. that we're going to, you know, hmm. say something if someone's not behaving. Yeah, right. yeah, and it certainly gets busy. It's done. It seems to have done really well. I think you've, yeah, you've so. sort of um you've you've sharpened up on the food. I think from when you first took over, I think there was initially just to sort of get some food out there scenario. Yeah. You've, You've really improved the food as well. That's been superb, actually. Um, oh, yeah. We went. yeah, you always um, put so your table. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good to book a table, definitely, if you're going in um, during normal times. Um, so just tell us about the food and drink, just so for anyone that is interested in coming once it reopens. <laughs> um, what, what sort of stuff have you got on for any interested parties? So it's owned by Shepherd Neen Brewery. So it's a brewery from Kent. So there's only four pubs in Brighton. So some of the beers you don't see around town, and then there's got your normal lagers. Um, trying to think, like just well, Robin's just happy. You've got the Arangibum, haven't you? Yeah, Arangibum. I'm just happy the Arangibum, pretty much. Sadly, that's I do, gone I do like Arangibum. It's a. I've not. Sadly, that's it. gone. I very rarely see it on on draft anywhere. Full stop. Yeah. Actually, I it's read I was doing some sort of some sort of quiz the other day or something like that, and it was like, "Well, it's a Dutch word for tree," and I only realised it's boom because they have a tr orange tree on the logo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually, literally, the beer is called Orange Tree, and I only worked it out once they'd given the answer of boom, and it's like, there you go. oh, yeah. yeah it's There's a pub near me up in North London, which is called the Orange Tree. They should definitely get some in stock there, then. Yeah. Or yeah. just change the name of the pub. He's still here. Yeah, yeah, I can still yeah. hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, right. after all that, Aranja Boom's gone, because they've stopped making it. Oh, oh have they? Really? <laughs> oh, no. We'll have to... We're in well, Robin's well, lockdown. Peter and I have probably got a recommendation, haven't we, Peter, for a good little Pet cats, yeah. Good they, they, although it is from the enemy territory. 
That's the problem. Mm. It's the Gypsy Hill Brewery. Gypsy Hill Brewery. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good brewery. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, good range of beers and ales as well. Yeah. And food is great. I'd recommend. I can't remember what the menu is, but there's, there's a good selection of stuff, isn't there? Burgers, steaks, fish and chips, just traditional. It's just, I wanted it to be like a nice pub, not like a poncy gastro bar wine pub. I just wanted it to be a pub. We don't have loads of the craft lagers you get everywhere. It's just a good old British pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Done> well. <laughs> it's, it's great. And, I mean, obviously, the, the one downside, since you've been running it for sure, that I know of, is, is obviously what's happening at the moment with the lockdown, um, which has decimated businesses. We mentioned, actually, two or three weeks ago about the fundraising, which I think um, you guys um, have sort of had a lot of backing anyway, which is great. Um, how have you been able to – I mean, are you getting by and – How's it been? It must have been pretty stressful to have this lockdown period come out of the blue. Yeah, it was weird because it started when um, I think Boris said no one's allowed to go out anymore, but he didn't say that the pubs had to close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, yeah. we stayed open, but had, what, 25% of customers come in only and mm. kind of get kicked in the teeth there. And then you did have to close. Yeah. And all your bills have still got to be paid and there was no money coming in. So it was really, really tough. Yeah. And I got the government grant, but that will run out within a month now. So I still have to pay bills yeah. whilst I'm closed. But the brewery have been brilliant. They stopped us like, having to pay the rent. Oh, right. But, okay. Yeah, so That's there's been a lot of criticism of other publicans. Yeah. Have said yeah, the to say That's, you don't have to pay it till you reopen, hmm. which is why I don't want to reopen for takeaways because I'm not going to... Yeah, not going to cover it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I still yeah. have all the utility bills and stuff to pay. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, exactly. Obviously, getting yeah. furloughed, but it's mm. very, very tough. And I do The longer it goes on, I don't know if I can survive. But then we did the crowdfunder thing. Wanted to raise maybe five hundred quid, but got two thousand two hundred pound, and so I can't and regulars enough. That's so yeah. overwhelmingly nice of everyone that they care about the pub and me. Yeah. And, well, I think that's a huge testament to how popular the pub is with the locals, isn't it? That they're yeah, yeah. And um, I'll fair play to everyone. That's superb. Yeah. And what, what's, what's the plans um, going forward, assuming everything can come back to normal and you're still fighting fit to go? What, what's the, uh, are there any plans to change anything or, or adapt or add things or anything like that? I'm not sure yet, because at the moment, the government haven't given any guidelines of what you have to do to reopen. All they've yeah. said at the moment is pubs with a garden can open on the 4th of July, hmm. which I've got, but then you have to assume you still have to socially distance for two metres. So if you're yeah. sat outside, then I reckon I could fit 25 people in. Hmm. Again, <laughs> not ideal, is it really? Yeah, so you're just going to have to prioritise based on how much you know people can drink and just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only let the piss. <laughs> right, I've that's already said <laughs> Yeah, I've already said I don't want under 18s in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just taking up a space. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. No, no coffee drinkers. <laughs> well, big, get big families of six who live together to, in, so they can all sit together and have to socially distance. Have to yeah. the people in big groups of six who, who live together. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah it's, it's going to be hard. To, obviously, I'll have to space the tables out, just being sensible. I've put um, hand sanitizers on the walls and yeah, things like that. And, but I haven't gone as far as putting Perspex screens up over the bar or between tables because I don't want to spend the money on it if I don't have to do it. So mm. we're 
we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. get back to normal, but obviously, it will change. And we don't know how people do actually still want to go out, but I'm assuming we do. <laughs> I mean, I think there's also there's probably going to be a lot of people that haven't the fact you haven't been out for a while. Of yeah, potentially not just the have got a bit of potentially money saved up to go on a few <laughs> fairly big, fairly yeah. big nights out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one, one final. Sorry, go on, bro. Yeah. I was saying it's hard for me because, like, most of my local trade are the people that work in the offices around Queens Road and Brighton Station. Hmm. Now, loads of them will be working from home, been made redundant or whatever, or furloughed. So hmm. I won't get a big Friday night crowd. There's no Brighton home games for the foreseeable. Yeah. So that's another big. It's going to change, but hmm. obviously I'll have to adapt to yeah. it. That's quite tricky, isn't it? And, and even sort of longer term, the sort of the culture of working from home might come in a bit more I think yeah. having had a sustained mm. period of trying yeah. it out <laughs> um, yeah. one final thing on the Caxon just to mention if anyone's listening to this and didn't know the pub um, just to explain where it is it's pretty close to the station isn't it if you walk past the Evening Star if you know where that is mm. you just carry on walking and into the next side street across isn't it where is it yeah. Castle Street uh, North Gardens that's called um, North, I said North Gardens yeah yeah um, so very close walk from the station, worth popping in, although you kind of don't really want to say that, do we? It's our little secret. <laughs> it's just busy anyway. But um, no, it's a great pub, and we hope to see you back and uh, yeah. running uh, as normal as soon as we can, obviously, when it's safe. But uh, yeah. we'll see, see what happens on that score. Um, turning to the week's football news, there's been quite a bit going on, hasn't there? Um, just to, I mean, we'll skip a few things, but just to go over the main bits... Um, voted for five subs and nine players to be allowed on the bench in total ahead of the prospective start of, well, two weeks from now um, for the full fixtures and a week and a half from now for the games in hand. Um, I don't know if there's really much to say on that matter unless anyone wants to. But I think it's slightly interesting what Kieran was saying on the show last episode and also what there's been a talk in the media that we've got a lot of players maybe of quite similar ability who maybe aren't exceptional, but are quite, you know, where we've got maybe kind of players who are quite similar level. So actually having the extra subs might be a benefit for us because maybe, you know, maybe our first team isn't that brilliant for that level, but the backup isn't that much worse. So it's, it yeah, could actually benefit point. us. I think the other thing is, is that particularly, I think it will suit Potter because we've, we never really know what formation or team he's going to pick. And there have been games where he's clearly got it massively wrong. Um, and this obviously gives him the scope to change basically half the team if things aren't going very well. I'm looking forward to his quintuple substitutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> it changes the entire back four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if it was under Houghton, I think it would, it would still be the same thing. Would be yeah, happening. We'd only use one sub a game yeah. still. But, I mean, I suppose the flip side is that it's going to suit the bigger clubs with the deeper squads, yeah. isn't it, necessarily? Mm. I mean, to Peter's point, you know, we, yeah. we, we're going to have players that we can bring in but you know the big clubs are going to be able to roll out some yeah. quite a number of world-class signings off the bench especially yeah. when you consider how many games there are in such a short space of time yeah. I mean it's a, you know if you're in the FA Cup you could be playing like 12 games in the space of two months effectively yeah because yeah. isn't Andrew Cross in our 25 and he'll be like one of the <laughs> it's just really random like <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, I suppose the other Baron Kyle as well, isn't he? I mean, I've seen him training quite a lot. Yeah. You wonder whether he's actually, given the number of games that are going to be played in such a short period of time, you wonder mm. whether it's actually going to be a role for him. Yeah, mm. I mean, there's other subsidiary benefits, even sort of away from the Albion. Like Harry Kane was going to be unfit for a lot of this run in originally, but now he's fit. We've played 
Spurs twice already, but he's going to yeah. come up against presumably some of our rivals. Mm. So hopefully that might. That, that Similarly, sort of Bournemouth had half their team injured, didn't they? And they've now probably got yeah. a lot of them fit. Mm, so it kind true, of balances yeah. out, doesn't it, over over the whole thing? Yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, by far and away, the biggest news of the last week or so has been about the incident in America with George Floyd being well murdered, basically, wasn't he? Um, horror, horrific situation. We won't get into the. Um, the full-on politics of it, because apart from anything else, we'll probably be here for another four hours. There's so much to talk about on that subject itself. But in terms of the football side of it, obviously FIFA have made their stance. They've clarified that they're not going to, well, they're they're discouraging any uh, stringent uh, clamping down on on messages being made, which have already started to happen in the Bundesliga, obviously with that going on. There's been protest gestures, um, obviously Jaden Sancho most famously, but there's a, I think there's been three or four other people in, in the Bundesliga last weekend made gestures of support for um, the Black Lives Matter campaign, basically. Um, Liverpool on Monday and then later on in the week, Chelsea and Newcastle have all made similar uh, down-on-one-knee gestures in support as well. Um, obviously, the, the main body of this subject is, is horrible, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Um, it's, it's awful. It's been going on for centuries and for hundreds of years. Um, things couldn't should have changed and haven't. Um, but do you think now there's a sea change here? Just to get the general broad point in terms of it feels like there's a real initiative now to to get more people who are, should we say, non-racist white people to not just sit back and say, oh, it's terrible and we're not racist and actually start making a stand and making points themselves, as well as obviously more vocalisation by the um, black population as well here and in the States. Yes, is a short answer, I think. Yeah, and rightly so. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it is, it's, I say it's awful. And I think the only slight, my only slight kind of, not negative factors, I think the fact that you've got this big issue going up at the same time as a massive global pandemic. Yeah, the timing is awful, isn't it? Unfortunately. Timing, mm-hmm. um, because you've, got, you've probably got a lot of people that would want to get involved with the protests and do something more public who obviously aren't prepared mm-hmm you know, to, to break the social distancing to do it. So I hope yeah. it doesn't get sort of diluted by the fact you've got mm. two massive things going on at once. But I think, yeah, my sense is that I, I've not seen as much before across social media deliberately, not sort of targeting is the wrong word, but encouraging people who are, mm. like you say, white and not racist to actually get involved, not just, you know, yeah. sort of pay lip service to it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's um, hopefully uh, it will be a sea change. I think what's been encouraging, and it's sort of like it manifested itself in a different way during the last World Cup, the way that um, the young, particularly the younger England players, came across really well in just speaking about subjects in general. And as an extension of that, I've noticed that this seems to be the thing, that there's a lot of pretty, still pretty young players who have taken a stance and have been at the forefront of speaking out. Raheem Sterling's the obviously example. Um, Delhi Ali has as well, of course, and and others besides. Um, I think that's helped as well, hasn't it? Really. Yeah, um, I think Marcus Marcus Rashford's been great as well. Actually, yeah, yeah, he's Rashford. Another one. He's only. Yeah, I mean, he's only twenty-two, and they were saying this isn't this is this is connected to COVID rather than the Black Lives yeah. Matter. They were saying he he started a charity which has been feeding like I think it's three. It's a ridiculous number. It's like three million kids or something. Yeah. Um, a homeless charity was Selfridges, I think it was. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> enormous amount and they were saying he's learnt sign language he's got involved in some project with with deaf children to be able to say he's 
able to read a poem using sign language. So you say the fact, I can't even imagine 10 or 15 years ago, you know, when, I don't know, yeah. players like Wayne Rooney with that yeah. age, that you'd have got that kind of, you know. Um, and it is nice to get some good policy for football, because you know, a lot of footballers are getting a lot of stick mm. during lockdown, so people yeah. are breaking it stupidly and that sort of thing, and that gets mentioned. But actually yeah. a lot of the things that are good and they do doesn't really get mentioned. And, yeah. you know, it's, I think it is, a, while I'm not saying footballers are perfect, a lot of them do an awful lot of good stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, very much so. We look at the Albion and there was Albion, there's one thing where they were donated and helping charities around Sussex. It's all, mm. all great. Yeah. Harry Kane yeah. as well, he did something. You've got players that, you know, very few of them are actually from the area. Obviously, yeah. you know, mm. but, you know, the rest of them are kind of, the fact that they're prepared to put that amount of money into the area where they live. And I mean, they may only be here for two or three years of their whole lives. Yeah. But the fact they're prepared to, you know, get that involved in, in stuff beyond football in the area they live is... Yeah. From, the, from the perspective of the George Floyd incident, I really hope the one thing that we get out of it from a football point of view is the drop, a drop in the racist abuse of players at time. Because there's yeah. been a massive rise in it. I think, we don't want to politicise it, since Brexit, there's been a massive rise again in, in incidents involving racism yeah. towards players. And if, that, if it stops that, then that, you know, at least something good can come out from a football perspective. I yeah. Think, yeah, to that point, I think maybe, do you think people will feel more likely to call it out? Mm, if they think it stands now? Mm, possibly. I think it's already better than it used to be. To get involved and yeah. you're being quite militant about it in your support mm. of it on social media or out and about. Then I suppose you've got to you've got to walk the you've got to yeah. talk the talk, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. I think it might be good for football as well, where a lot of the country, as in it, they think racism is only involved in football, where and football gets targeted a lot for being a racist, and the people that go are racist. But now they've seen that it's a, it's not just in football; it, it's widespread around the world, and people will take notice and realise it isn't just football don't just target football it's mm. it's everywhere mm. yeah i mean just just to extend it slightly as well i'm going back to the states of um the american football scene there's been quite a bit of fuss going on there as well because there's a guy i think it's drew Brees, who's with uh, i think it's san francisco or somebody and he, he was saying something about you shouldn't disrespect the flag it's a massive misstep he's been called up on it and he's made a quite a sincere and detailed apology which makes me wonder if he has actually come to realise that he just inadvertently not seen what the issue was. Yeah, I think rather than being the NFL are not going to allow players to take the knee, which yeah. is obviously what Colin, Colin Kaepernick basically mm. had his entire career. Yeah. Destroyed by the mm. fact that he was constantly protesting on his own, basically. And the NFL yeah. and all the owners were actually backing, were essentially against him. So yeah. I don't say now, if, if, they're allowed, if players are allowed to actually peacefully protest in that way. Yeah. And if this, if this guy Breeze has generally had a, you know, a epiphany or whatever by having this and thought, oh shit, there's actually, you know, this is quite a bit different to how I thought it was, you know, maybe there's a load of other people out there that might, might be able to, uh, to have a change of thought process themselves because it's about this sort of the, the notion of the privileged class, isn't it? And mm. being aware of that rather than just being accustomed to it is, is a big difference. Maybe that can help. Um, one other thing on that subject, uh, which came out just yesterday, Friday, which is the 5th of June, um, Liam Rossini, did you see the uh, article, guys, in The Guardian? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, fantastic stuff. He um, 
for anyone that doesn't know, he wrote effectively an open letter for his column to Trump, um, thanking him for for mobilising the movement against racism um, by his blatant racism himself. Um, which I thought, I mean, that's a very potted version of what you probably said. It's much more eloquent than that. Yeah. But it's a superb article, um, yeah. and hopefully that will get as much publicity as it deserves. What we've come to event. expect from Liam Rossini, really. I mean, he was yeah, I mean, he was a genuine, you know, you know, he was a real great representative of the club when he was here and he's everything I see of him for his articles and from on the media and that sort of thing he's, he's a brilliant speaker and a genuine yeah. bloke and we didn't yeah. think we could like him anymore did we but no. uh, he's managed, managed to trump himself there I really hope he comes back time. to Albion one day working as coach yeah. or manager or something you know it'd be great yeah, yeah. I've, I've sent him a message asking him to come on the show I haven't had her back yet I think he might be quite busy after that article though to be yeah. fair um, but it'd be great to get him on at some point but um yeah, I mean, that was a superb gesture. Once again, it puts the Albion guy sort of in direct association in a, in a good light as well, doesn't it? I think he had an Albion top mm. on in the, yeah, the photo yeah. that's completely the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But um, nonetheless, yeah, it's great either way around. Um, he's one of those who, he only played for us for two or two years, three years, something like that. And yeah, actually, a lot of that was injured. He wasn't yeah. there that long, but everyone, I mean, it's one of those, yeah. I think I remember, remember when he signed every, every club who he played for said he was brilliant and, Except maybe yeah, Benning, who didn't Wednesday. like him, but... Yeah. So Sheffield Wednesday, when he did the chin-up yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, that's the thing, that's the point, isn't it? His presence was felt in such a short time, yeah. to such a great degree. That sort of says its own thing, doesn't it, really? In terms I think of, remember um, the whole fans being gutted he was let go and saying yeah, how, how yeah, sad yeah. they were to see him go. Mm, yeah. Um, well, in other news, the Spanish football starting just ahead of us. They're going to rush in, um, I think, the weekend before, which is next weekend. Um, looking forward to seeing some of that. I think it might be more entertaining than the German football. Not that I've minded that. Um, I've dipped into the German football myself a bit. Um, Brett, have you been watching the Bundesliga? Yeah, kind of. Just to see what watching games behind closed doors is like. And yeah. well, the first week, everyone was a bit ropey and the atmosphere was terrible. But as they've gone on a couple of weeks and played more games, the standards getting better. Um, yeah. I think yeah, Dortmund's been some good games. Yeah, you could That's definitely all. tell they'd not played for three months or whatever when yeah, yeah. the first week it was like the training ground, wasn't it? The first yeah, yeah. the games, yeah, yeah which oh. is uh, a worry when Villa have got their game in hand against Sheffield United. Yeah, on the other hand, though, if we're playing Arsenal and Leicester first two games, maybe they they will be yeah. like you know, games we probably wouldn't, well, certainly Leicester we wouldn't have got anything from. Yeah, maybe yeah. Jamie Vardy yeah. will be about the same pace as our defense because they'll be like kind of not sorted out. <laughs> yeah. So, do, do you ever have you, you adopted a team in Germany um, during this? Uh, I did. I adopted Mainz, and I think they're playing now. But, um, basically, I was supposed to go on a stag do, and then we, we thought, as we can't, we'll pick a German team, um, and then next year, next season, we'll go and watch them as part of the stag do. So oh, we picked brilliant. the team. That, so we picked the team in fifteenth place where Brighton were, and it was it was Mainz. They've not <laughs> done very well since then, have they? They've they lost four 0 and five 0 <laughs> since we <won. laughs> It's funny to pick them because actually there was an article, I think it was on the BBC website about three or four weeks ago where they were basically they were saying if you're a Premier League fan, this is who you should support in the German yeah. division. And it said if you're a Brighton fan, Mainz was actually the team they matched. Wasn't their logic like <laughs> neither team have won anything ever, wasn't it pretty basically, much? Yeah, <laughs> which basically, yeah, we're, we're, sort of, we're mediocre slash shit um, <laughs> over a decent period of time. So anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I was going to bring in at that point was um, 
sort of connected to behind closed doors as we've we've talked about FC Micheland in in Denmark a couple of times who have had this drive-in thing this week where they got people to go and park outside the stadium and various innovations that we've talked about and uh, there was an interview with the marketing director of the club it was on the radio last week and he was talking about a lot of the stuff that we've already mentioned um having people I think they were saying yeah there was a maximum capacity they could have but they were trying to make it as sort of atmospheric as possible and they were giving everyone air freshener to put in their car that smelt like freshly cut grass that would give you the idea <laughs> of sitting in the ground so obviously thought about it to a pretty big extent the only slightly dodgy thing was that they were saying that if it's a night match and you want to go to the bathroom um you've actually got to flash your headlights <laughs> to get someone's attention which is yeah, escorted there and yeah. Colin Moore, um connotations to it put it that well, way if there's not an inconveniently large queue it won't really feel like the football will it no, to be no, honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh dear, I don't mind. Well, we'll see what happens. There's supposedly a few initiatives, isn't there, being um, thought up by the Premier League. So we'll see what see what they come up with in the end. Could be interesting. Or it looks like they lost their first game. I was just looking it up on the first, which is like Monday. They yeah, lost at home to AC AC Horsens, apparently. So well then, who are ninth and <laughs> out of fourteen. So yeah, despite oh, wow. so having lost two all season, they lost at home to the team in ninth. So obviously didn't yeah. do them much good. No. So I mean, the Bundesliga as well, they've shown that home advantage is absolutely oh. non-existent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> disturbing, isn't it? <laughs> but hopefully it won't be too bad. I mean, Benfica yeah, got a bad result. From point point view, the only thing no. I've been thinking about is that Graham Potter is, has been sort of talked up as obviously someone who's very specialist on the kind of, you know, psychological side. And I get the impression he kind of revels in situations that are slightly bizarre. And obviously no one's got players, hardly any players have really got any experience of playing competitive matches behind closed doors. I mean, a few might have been involved in you know, the odd Europa League game that's, you know, as a one-off has been behind closed doors. But as a prolonged sort of period, this is where he's got to sort of make his money, isn't it? As a, as a kind of, from a psychology point of view, he's got to get the players yeah. in the right headspace. And actually mm. maybe the fact that, you know, traditionally, or I say traditionally, recently we've not necessarily been that great away from home. If you take out the crowd element from an away match, hmm. it might help us. It, yeah, could, I, it might help us. Yeah, I was watching an interview with Glenn Murray on Sky and he said some players might might get a lot better, like uh, Solly March's confidence won't get knocked, I think mm-hmm. he said, because he won't have the crowd on his back. Dale Stevens won't get, like, groaned at when he passes it sideways or backwards and it might help a lot of players playing behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in essence, we uh, can't do any worse than not winning in two and a half, two and a bit months before lockdown. So <laughs> <laughs> we can only not lose again, not win again in two months. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that thing... will be playing in at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I've just turned as well. We've got, um, obviously it's poorly, we've got a couple of players on there, haven't we? Ostergaard and um, Kjokeras, who both continue to do really well, which is great to see. I don't know how it will work out, because they're going to they're gonna have most of their season out of the way by the time we start ours. Uh, they're really yeah. firing along. I don't know if they're going to be able to re-nominate 25s, but if we are, maybe we add them in. They'll be match sharp and everything, mm-hmm. won't they? I see and they've already got like... three of the, the youngsters play, uh, training with the team, like Cochrane, yeah. Roberts and uh, Richard, Taylor yeah, Richards but, as well. Yeah, I mean, th- those guys, and also if they were able to play Ostergaard and Jokeris, are all used to playing in 
be in stadiums yeah. but with no atmosphere yeah. from 23s games and whatever else. Yeah. The interesting one for me is how the transfer window is going to work because yeah, the German league is going to finish so much before us and presumably will start again before us. Mm. And Are they going to just yeah. say, well, till September you can sign who you want or whatever? Or yeah. It's going to be yeah. an interesting one. And on another point, you know they're going to be readier for that Euros next year, aren't they, as well? <laughs> much more than we are. They're already yeah. in a position. <laughs> Let's for not kid ourselves there, Russ. We're never going to win that anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, We've got an well, excuse now. <laughs> uh, are we ready to, in, uh, to subject Brett to the quiz? I think we might be. Um, we've got, we've, more, more a question about Brett's ready rather than... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking nervy. Um, we've, we've got seven people have done it so far, Brett. Uh, Robin, uh, midway through, is top of the uh, leaderboard. Look at that punch fist. So if he starts um, glaring at you during the thing, don't let it put you off. <laughs> I'm going I'm to put my cards on the table. I think he's got an easier set of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I see. It's like that, is it? He's getting Mind the game <laughs> I showed him the questions. He did get nearly all of them right. He got the question three wrong, which was about Palace. You'll see why. He got that wrong on purpose later on. It was a rather offensive <laughs> comment, I thought. But <laughs> anyway, but Robin is top of the table with 14 out of the possible 15, so it's quite a high marker. <laughs> Kieran Maguire, who was on last week, got 12. He did better than he said he was going to. And then we've got Josh, Peter, um, our own Peter here, and Spencer Vignes all got 11. Um, Amir, our friend in the States, got eight. And Richard Holberton, a regular listener, the Seagulls Over London member, got six. So, um, that's the targets to, to um, go for and to avoid, 14 and the 6, I suppose. And yeah. We'll see what we do. Um, essentially, the format is pretty straightforward. It's going to be general knowledge football questions. About three of them are on Albion subjects, um, <laughs> one of them being a missing link round. And then yeah. the final question, the 11th question, is who am I, where you can get anything up to five points for guessing on the first clue. So we'll, we'll come okay. to that in a minute. Sound okay? <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's, let's see how we do then. Okay, ready uh, when you are. So here we go. Question one. In which city do La Liga Club Real Sociedad play their home games? Uh, uh, Madrid? Sorry? Madrid? It's not. So I'm afraid not. It was San, yeah. San Sebastian yeah. in the Basque country. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. On to question two. Um, this is a 50-50 one, this. Who is currently on a longer run of consecutive league title wins, Bayern Munich or Juventus? Uh, Bayern. Oh, it's not. It's Juventus. <laughs> it's a 50-50. Don't worry. It gets a bit better, I think, from here, hopefully for you. Um, question three then, Brett. What is the previous nickname of Crystal Palace? This is where Robin had a rude answer, which I won't repeat on air. <laughs> So the previous nickname for Palace before the Eagles, obviously. Um, it's related to their history, you could say, I suppose. That's the little clue I'll give. As Peter's cat makes a video debut appearance in the background. <laughs> Which one's that, Peter? Just to distract. So Brett's uh, time This is Bernie. Bernie, brilliant. <laughs> Any ideas? I don't know if we've lost sound, actually. I think we might have lost Brett's sound for a moment. Um, we'll give him a second, see if he can come back on. He's going to probably twiddle around for a sec. Um, this is one I actually had, I had no idea. I know no, I not did I. I had, I had no clue. Oh, you're back. Yes, you're back. Sorry, we missed that. From We were just waiting on an answer for question three when you went mute there. Uh, yeah, I quickly googled. No. <laughs> um, 
No, I haven't got a clue. I'll just say palace. <laughs> the palace. No, it's uh, the glaciers um, due to their the literal crystal yeah. palace. I think something to do with that. I was trying yeah. to think of something palace related, but like that. Yeah. But never uh, mind. Okay, on to question oh, four then. <laughs> <laughs> question four. Three teams are featured in only one Premier League season. Can you name two or more of them? So there's three to go for. Just need two of them. Swindon? Yeah, that's one. Oh, I'm trying to think of the early ones. Um, yeah, one's, one's from early on, and the other one is fairly recent. Um, not, not very recent, but fairly recent. Who's gone straight up and straight back down? Uh, Blackpool. Oh, did you say Blackpool? Yeah. Spot on, that's it. You've got your two you need. Out of interest, could you think of the other one? It's on a red theme again, if that helps. All reddish coloured tops. I wonder if that's significant. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Charlton. No. no, good effort. But no, it's, um, it's Barnsley, the other one. Uh, you saying if you go up, you should change your red shirt sort of, if you're going up for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cardiff style. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, OK, so you got that one. That's fine. So one out of four. On to question five. Who has made the most Premier League appearances with uh, 653 to his name? Uh, Gareth Barry, is it? Spot yeah. on, yeah. You're good. You're getting into your stride now. This is good. Yeah. I think you'll probably get this one as well. I think you've been been a, a fairly strong traveller on your uh, in your time at the Albion. I think so. You'll probably get this. But let's see. Which EFL club play at Moss Rose? Oh, Moss Rose. It's in the lower reaches, obviously. As you oh, so Rochdale. Ooh, is that your final answer? <laughs> I don't. Might want to think about it just for a little bit longer. Yeah. Macclesfield. Oh, he's pulled it out of the bag. And we've been watching him. He's not Googling anything here, guys. (laughs) He's just looking into space and agony. Yeah, I know. It's it's actually one of the only grounds I haven't been to in the 90s, I think, which is uh, maybe something we might not get a chance to now, the way they're going at the moment. Anyway, that's that's good. A great recovery. You've got the last three. So you're on three out of six now. Um, I was listening out for the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's it. Respectability <laughs> to be gained here. Right, question seven. Which club plays at the Veltins Arena in the German Bundesliga? And I can let you know it's not Mainz, if that helps, just to uh, ease the pain a bit. <laughs> so it's, a, it's one of the biggies. Um, it's the Veltins Arena, German Bundesliga. <sighs> Who plays there? Um, if we can give them another clue, we'll see. Oh, Hamburg. <laughs> It's that kind of size club, but it's, uh, it's not, no, it's Schalke. Schalke, oh, yeah. no, I wouldn't have thought that. They get something like 60,000 crowds there as well, I'm nervous. Um, anyway, well, not at the moment, they don't, but... <laughs> um, anyway, on to question eight then. Um, how many league goals did Glenn Murray score? This is obviously the first of our Albion questions. How many did he score in Albion's League One title-winning season? So just the league goals from his 2010-11 title-winning season. And there's an option here. I'll give you, a, there's multiple choice. It's either 22, 25 or 28. And I think both the others got this right. I ran the questions by them earlier, by the way. No pressure. I didn't hear any of that. Oh, sorry. I'll give it to you again then. So how many, yeah, so how many league goals did Glenn Murray score in Albion's League One title winning season 
of 2010-11? Was yeah. it 22, 25 or 28? Uh, 28. Oh, if only it was. Uh, it wasn't. No, it was twenty-two. Oh. Slipping back a bit. There's still oh. time to make up. Um, you'll probably do well with the last bit. That will probably help you. But in the meantime, here's a couple more questions on an Albion theme. What was the score in Albion's first competitive league fixture at Withdean? Six 0 Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, Darren Freeman, Robin. Yeah, I couldn't remember if they scored. I didn't read the question. <laughs> Robin said it was Darren Freeman was the score. Uh, he misread that one. But um, yeah, six. I six couldn't remember, remember if they scored. Sorry? Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember if they scored. Yeah, no, that's fair. No, but it was, a, it was a clean sheet as well. Sunny day. I missed that game, I was in France. But um, Aidan Newhouse looked really good. Got two late goals. Yeah. The only day that he looked any good. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was against um, Mansfield, of course, that match. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on to another Albion question. It's the missing link question. Fill in the blank. You'll be able to recognise what this is probably, but it's a case of getting who it is. So it's yeah. a list of names in consecutive order. McShane, Hammond, Elphick, that's Tommy Elphick, Wing, Crofts, Elabd, Blank, Upson, Calvi, Kyle, Knockhart. So it's quite a long list of names. We want the blank. I'll read it again. Let's give you a time. So it's McShane, Hammond, Elphick, Wing, Crofts, Elabd, Blank, Upson, Calvi, Kyle, and Knockhart. So do you recognise what this is? I'm thinking player of the season, the first season at the Amex. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's player of the season. Yeah. Um, in terms of first season of the Amex, it's it, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is, it? yeah. I think it's first yeah. two, actually. Yeah, in fact, in fact, is this a double blank? I've got a feeling it's, there might have been a yeah, double it is. blank. It is. It's the same, it's the it's same, same person. Oh, yeah. 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 So the two, two times this person was player of the year. Who's the missing man? Oh, no. <laughs> Are we able to give him a clue, I wonder? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is it Big Barnes or Buckley? The, I'll, um, give you, I'll give you a clue. It's that that's the right letter of the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't narrow things down that much. Over the amount of Bs we've had on our team. Liam Bridker. Yes, he's got <laughs> it. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've forgotten that was the player of the year the last year at, with Dean. I kind of, yeah. I kind of forgotten yeah. it wasn't Murray or whatever, but because yeah. yeah. that so, was the season Gus had turned him into like Franz yeah. Beckenbauer, basically. Hadn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I just forgot yeah, he won it over, say, Murray, who got 22 goals or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. but that's and great. Then, I mean, to bookend the end of the with Dean, the beginning of the Amex, that's quite a nice little tidy little bit of trivia there, isn't it? You can add that to the Renf quiz for next year. <laughs> Um, on to the final question, the who am I rounds this is. Yeah. If you get it on the first clue, you can get five points and double your score, which is currently five, I think, by my calculations. Let's see yeah. how we do. I think you might be able to get this at an early stage. We'll see. So, clue one. Born in Cockfield, West Sussex in 1977, I was a trainee with Brighton and Hove Albion and signed a professional contract with them in July of 96 in my role as a fullback. Mm. If I guess now and get it wrong, do I lose all points? No, you can still have other guesses if you haven't got it right. Yeah, for the later. Like, uh, Ian Chapman. It's not. That's a good effort, but it's not Ian Chapman. No. We'll move on to question. That's uh, a clue two. 
So um, I played 413 games for the club in the end, becoming one of its longest serving players before leaving in 2008. Or is that 2009? <laughs> That's a reference. Uh, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Because yeah. we were releasing him, weren't we? And then we, yeah. the new manager kept him on, which was something like Mickey Adams. Again, it was Adams, yeah. He kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well done. So you get four points there, boosting you up onto nine. So you're way off the bottom. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It was looking sticky at the beginning, wasn't it, Brad, for a bit there? <laughs> Terrible <laughs> start. Those first three were really tough. I didn't, when you sent it to me, I didn't get any of those three. Yeah. Was, uh... Just me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, the other clues, by the way, I injured my knee while on a month's loan at Lewis, stayed with Dean until the end of that season when a hip injury eventually curtailed the end of my long association with the club and later forced my retirement. Um, clue D was I married a girl with the same first name as me I think that might have given it away <laughs> um, inspiring the famous Albion chant and clue E was uh, the fifth one was I am probably the only footballer ever to have had both a first name and a surname that matches that of an Irish county <laughs> I, I did, I did question your clue yesterday though because I think he was a midfielder when he joined he played in midfield yeah. the first season so when he signed his pro contract he probably would have been a midfielder rather than a fullback yeah yeah. Yes. He was playing uh, in midfield that first year, the last year at the Goldstone. Yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Maybe, Obviously, he's maybe known for being a fullback. Yeah, yeah moreover. But, um, well, I didn't get it on the first one. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think Russ would scratch the whole fixture, I think. After yeah. That. <laughs> I think we should scratch the whole competition. We should cancel it all. We're going on points per game, and I'm still. <laughs> yeah. Well, that puts you into sixth place. So you've gone ahead of Richards, that's six. You've gone ahead of Amir on eight. You're up on nine. So respectability gained at least. So that's, that's I'll take that. <laughs> and um, we're going to have Alan Wears on at some point. He's he's going to be Robin's main threat now. I think um, yeah. he's looking worried, Robin, about that. He's um, hiding on screen as well at the moment. <laughs> we'll see see how he does. Okay. Well, that brings this episode to a close. Thank you very much for joining us, Brett. You're going to stay right. with us to record another episode, aren't you? And yep. we're going to be talking about um, best moments or funniest moments and best games um, yeah. related to the Albion. So we're going to record that now. That'll come out in due course. But for this episode, thanks for joining me, Peter, Robin, and Brett. Up the Albion, stand or fall. Cheers. All right, cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.